Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. This week, we are talking about everyone's favorite topic, which is taxes. We are talking about year-end tax planning. And the reason why this is so important is that oftentimes people end up leaving money on the table simply because they didn't take the time to plan, or maybe they just didn't educate themselves on how all of this stuff works. Because the bottom line is that the tax code is pretty darn complicated. There's a lot to know, and there's a lot that changes all the time. So when it comes to tax planning, it's important to be very proactive about it and not just assume that we know what's going on. We want to really dig in deep and understand where we are, what the rules are, what we need to do, what decisions do we need to make or not make that really could work to our advantage. Now, I work with a lot of CPAs out there in the community. And just to be clear, before we get started, we don't replace your tax advisor. We are not tax advisors. We are certified financial planners. And a pretty significant portion of what we're doing with clients is planning for taxes and income in the future. So it is an important topic, but this does not replace your tax advisor. So make sure that they are in the loop and that you do your planning with them as well. Really, today is about surfacing some issues, surfacing some things that you may not be aware of, or maybe you are aware, but you just kind of forgot because we're all busy. (laughs) Bottom line is that the world is very busy. We're very distracted right now because of all the information flowing around out there. And of course, we try to have some fun in between. But as certified financial planners, we think this stuff is fun. Maybe that seems really sad to you, uh, but you need people like us. You need advisors that think financial stuff is fun and that it's interesting to really dig deep and understand how it works from a planning standpoint. So the first thing that you really want to do when it comes to your year-end tax planning is begin with where you are today. And what we like to do here at Keystone is we like to take a look at the prior year's tax return, at least as a starting point. We need to take advantage of what we know from the past, really because it may be reminders about what we need to do this year or in future years. One of those things could be just remembering what we've done in the past just so we don't forget. In some cases, we've deducted charitable contributions from years prior. Maybe you're still making those charitable contributions, but they send the tax statement through to your email and it went into the spam folder. So you forgot to actually put it down as a deduction on your taxes. Nobody's going to be checking on that for you. Just to be clear, nobody's going to be taking a a look at your inbox. So you need to be aware of this and make sure that your tax people, your financial planners have the information that they need to help you plan. So really looking at the prior year's tax return is a starting point. And then what we do is we just adjust for the changes, either in your situation, because you might have had some life changes. There might have been some changes as far as what you did during the year. You may have made an extra charitable contribution, or maybe you participated in a new employer's 401k. It also could be that you did something that you hadn't done in the past, like a Roth conversion. So it's important to look at those things in your situation, any capital gains that you've had. We're going to dig into a lot of this stuff as we go, but it's important to understand where you are exactly at this point in 
in the year so you can make some moves on an educated basis. At least you can make some moves between now and the end of the year, or in some cases, not make moves if that would hurt you. So be aware of where you are right now and also being aware of the changes in the rules. We have a tax code that's very complicated, way more complicated than it needs to be, and that's because it's been designed by politicians that all have special interests. Bottom line is that the tax code is very complicated, and it changes all the time. It's important to work with advisors that really keep up on this stuff so you don't end up leaving money on the table. So finding out where you are so far for the year, and also that means what types of income you've had. Have you had ordinary income? income from work, tax-free income, qualified dividends, social security income? Have you taken capital gains by selling stuff, maybe land or a piece of property? It could also be that you sold stock, or maybe you have a mutual fund that sold some stock and that's resulted in some capital gains that you didn't even know about. So making sure that you're really, really aware of where you've been and where you are so far for the year, very, very important, as well as understanding what the rules are. Now, today, this is going to be kind of a tax buffet of information. And the way I came up with the stuff I'm going to bring up today is simply what comes up in conversations the most with clients. We talk to people every single day about their situations. We talk to people's tax advisors, their attorneys. This stuff comes up all the time. And that's why I'm raising these topics today. These are just kind of a buffet, again, of financial issues we're bringing to the surface to make sure that there's not money that's left on the table in your situation. Retirement contributions. Being aware of any retirement contributions that you've made for the year is important in understanding what the nature of those are. Well, were they Roth contributions? Were they traditional contributions? In other words, was it pre-tax or after-tax? Are you contributing to the right type of plan for your situation? So very, very important to understand where you're contributing and what that looks like for your future as well, your own financial planning. Because if you do something like make a Roth contribution, the reason why you did that probably was because you think the taxes are better to pay now than pay later. So it's important to understand that that's what you're doing. And if you're dead set that, hey, I need deductions right now, I don't care about the future. We probably want to switch those over. We want to get them put into the traditional 401k instead of the Roth 401k. Or in the case of IRAs, it could be the traditional versus the Roth IRA. So it's that time of year to be sure what you're eligible for Take a look at your employee benefits because they're going to be sending you stuff anyway on your health plans and so forth, kind of re-upping for that next year. Also, it's that time of year for those of you who are eligible to decide what kind of health plan that you're on. And if you have the choice, you need to be looking at, am I going to go with a high deductible plan that would be a health savings account eligible plan or a low deductible plan? The difference tends to be the premiums. You pay a heck of a lot more usually for the low deductible plan. And for those of you who are not real active users of your health benefits, maybe it's something that you just go in for the checkup. Once in a while, you just don't tend to spend a whole lot of money on medical stuff, maybe it actually does make sense that you go with a high deductible plan, which probably makes you eligible for a health savings account contribution. By doing that, that actually would be a deduction now and then tax-free growth and possible tax-free distribution on the back end. So health savings accounts can also be a way that you can get a deduction and also save for some medical expenses. So the bottom line is that you don't end up losing that money. You end up accumulating it over time until it's dispersed. And if you reach age 65, the current rule says that you can start distributing the money out for retirement income. So it could just be that you're kind of accumulating an extra retirement fund on the side. 
you wouldn't be eligible for a health savings account unless you are part of a high deductible health insurance plan. So it's important to know what benefits you're activating within your employer. If you're eligible, there might also be some special benefits that not everybody gets to participate in. Some of our clients get a non-qualified deferred compensation plan that they can contribute to. And it's something that you could defer some extra dollars, possibly get some tax advantages. Of course, there are some risks that come with that and some restrictions. But just be aware that if you're eligible for that type of plan, it's probably about right now, this time of year, that you'll have to plan ahead and think about those types of contributions. All right, let's think about Roth conversions. So Roth conversions basically mean that we're accelerating the taxes. We're deciding that we'd rather pay the income now, and we'd rather accelerate that income now to pay taxes now at today's rates. We're betting that it'll be better for us to pay now than pay later because we think tax rates might be going up. Now, of course, I don't know that, and you don't know that. We're just guessing. So it's just a matter of what you believe is going to end up happening. And if you have the money to pay the taxes, it might make sense to just do some conversion now. Maybe not all your retirement funds should go to Roth. Should a portion? Probably. For most people, there probably is an advantage because of the tax-free growth, tax-free distribution, no required minimum distributions, and it also passes income tax-free to any beneficiaries that you might have. So there are some big, big advantages to Roth. We're big fans of Roth. A conversion might be in your best interest, but it's something you'll need to do quickly because that has to be done by December 31st to recognize that income in 2021. Be aware, too, that the Roth conversions have no limits. You can have as much income as you want and still do a Roth conversion as long as you can pay the taxes. That's the important part, of course, is if you can stomach paying the taxes on that conversion. So be very clear about what that means to you how much out of pocket it makes sense to pay out for you this year. A Roth conversion could be very useful to you and your family as far as a planning mechanism, but make sure that it's actually in your best interest and that you know what you're doing. Actually do a tax estimate. Make sure that somebody does that for you so you have eyes wide open when you do that conversion. They cannot be undone. Just so you know, there used to be a rule that you could undo a Roth conversion after the first of the year. For the prior year, you can't do that anymore. You're kind of stuck with it. So just be aware of what you're doing there. Another thing we should plan on is charitable contributions. And for those of you who are charitably minded, in other words, maybe it's something you do on a regular basis, or maybe just now and again, we should be considering what type of charitable contributions that you're making, what charities you want to benefit, and what the timing of all that might be. One thing to keep in mind is that the standard deduction now has gotten quite high, for a couple married filing jointly, 25100 now is the standard deduction. If you're single, it's 12550 per year. That means that you'd have to have itemized deductions over those amounts for the charitable contributions or other itemized deductions to benefit you. So sometimes we hear people say, well, I don't want to pay off my mortgage because I like the tax deduction. Just kind of take a look at what you're actually paying in interest per year. And is it actually deductible? In a lot of cases, in fact, I think over 90% of people now are taking the standard deduction versus itemized deductions. So really take a look at that and see if it makes sense. Also, thinking about charity, one thing that you can do there is that you can take a look at what contributions that you're making to charity and taking a look at 
really how much are you doing? Let's say that somebody is giving $5,000 a year to the United Way. Well, their standard deduction, say if they're married, is $25,100. And so if you don't have itemized deductions that go over that $25,100, then it kind of gets wasted in some ways, right? It kind of gets wasted and you don't get to really deduct that. It's nice that you benefited the United Way. It's very admirable, of course, to be giving money away and to contributing to the lives of others. But one thing you might think about doing is that you might think about kind of bunching together some of your contributions and really think about making a one-time gift of, say, five years worth of money that you'd be giving to the United Way or six years or 10 years and dropping it into what's called a donor-advised fund. Now, a donor-advised fund, we've talked about this in the past prior episodes. I'll give you the nutshell version of the donor-advised fund today. So really what you're doing is you're contributing it to an account that's called a donor-advised fund. And that donor-advised fund itself actually is a 501c3 charity. In other words, donations that you make to that fund end up being a charitable deduction during the year that you make the contribution. You could give cash. You could give highly appreciated assets, stock, real estate. There's all kinds of things that you could actually give to that charity, to that account, and take a deduction, a charitable deduction that year. I think it works particularly well when you do have highly appreciated assets. Say if you've got a bunch of Apple stock that you bought 10 years ago, it's probably very highly appreciated for you. And maybe you were going to give a bunch of money away, maybe over the next couple of decades anyway. Well, maybe you should think about just doing a contribution right up front of all of those assets, taking a deduction today. And then what you have the ability to do as the donor is you have the ability of actually divvying that money out to various charities over the years, even though you got the deduction up front at the beginning, because that donor advised fund is considered a 501c3. So think about that as a way to actually be able to take advantage of more of the itemized deductions that are available for something like a charitable contribution. Really, it's just taking advantage of a rule of a type of account that you can make those contributions to instead of just giving money away year by year and really not being able to take the deduction. Also, be aware when you're donating to charity that you need to really keep track of that stuff. Say if you give a bunch of stuff to Goodwill or Habitat, those might be personal property, clothing, things like that that you're giving away. Make sure when they say, hey, do you need a receipt? Get the receipt. Because bottom line is if you get audited, they are going to want to see documentation of some of this stuff. And they're going to want to see that you have a trail. It's not just something you made up a number when you filled out your taxes. You do need to produce some proof in the case of things like that. Of course, maybe a big contribution, like you donated a vehicle or a boat or something crazy like that. You know, I've, I've done that in the past. My wife and I have donated a vehicle before. And it was really cool. Actually, it was a neat way that we got to contribute, get a deduction, not have to mess with going and selling the car. And then, you know, it was neat because there was a single mom that ended up benefiting from that vehicle donation. And she wrote us a nice letter, very thankful. Uh, It really was heartwarming to us and our family to hear from her. Not that we expected that necessarily, but to see how that made an impact on her life. So keep in mind things like that. You need to make sure that you're really well documenting that, getting a receipt, and also making sure that you're clear on a major donation like that, that you'd have to get a blue book value. We did that. We actually did a blue book value and printed it out the year we, or the day that we did the donation. So it's actually really clearly documented in case we get audited. So anyway, neat opportunities, charitable contributions. Don't forget those things. Make sure you dig those 
those receipts out of the file and add all that stuff. You don't want to end up leaving money on the table. So also thinking about where you are year to date from a realized versus unrealized gains standpoint, when it comes to capital gains, this is gains from things that we buy, say it's stock or a piece of property, taking a look at what kind of gains we've had in that. And have there been any realized gains, meaning have we sold anything that would have been taxable so far for the year? It also could be, don't forget about this, that mutual funds oftentimes are not very tax efficient. So it's important to look at what investment vehicles you have, especially if they're held outside of retirement accounts. They might not be very tax efficient. So if they've been buying and selling stocks at a gain inside that mutual fund, they actually do have to spit those gains out to investors at some point during the year. And sometimes that actually hits in December and people get a nasty surprise. They might be really happy because they made a bunch of money in the fund that year, but it could be kind of a nasty tax surprise in that they have a lot of gains that they didn't know they were going to have to recognize. So just keep that in mind. It's important to look at what investment vehicles you own as well and just being aware so you could be as tax sensitive as possible. So finding out what realized gains you've had. Then also it's important to kind of look at what unrealized gains do you have simply because in some cases it's something that you might want to recognize the gain to be able to offset losses. It could be that you believe tax rates are going up in the future for capital gains. You want to kind of pay them now and reset your basis on the stock. Um, So selling investments at a loss, sometimes that makes sense, looking at those gains and losses, because you might have a bunch of capital gains that have been recognized in your portfolio. You might be able to use those investments that you sell at a loss to your advantage. So think about future tax planning as well. Historically, we're at pretty low tax rates right now. Think about where tax rates might be going in the future simply because we can do some planning today to maybe accelerate the taxes. Maybe we want to actually pay them today. So kind of looking at everything that you've got, don't forget about things that you might have had through work. If you participate in equity award plans like stock purchase plans, or if you've had restricted stock or stock options, be aware of any tax implications there. So really be thinking about that. Think about your entire portfolio and just we don't want any tax surprises. We certainly want to be proactive and just aware of what's going on there. Let's say you're retired. Let's say you are drawing income now. You're done putting money in, but you have distributions coming out. So it's important to do some strategies there that will really take advantage of the tax code and possibly keep you below certain income levels. We love tax diversification. Simply, that means that we've got things that are different tax statuses, like a traditional versus a Roth. And it's also, I think, good to have some after-tax stuff, some just brokerage accounts that aren't in retirement accounts, simply because then we can income stream from various sources. So thinking about distribution strategies and where we're getting all of our income from, what do we have as far as social security income, dividend income? income? What do we have from a capital gain standpoint? Are we forced to take required distributions? And is there a deadline? Maybe you turned 72 this year, so maybe there's a new deadline you need to be aware of. So age 72 is the magic age now that you have to start taking required minimum distributions, being aware of what the deadlines are, what you need to take out, because it's very important. Required distributions have a 50% penalty if you don't take the money out. And then that is really a nasty surprise. I've never had that happen, by the way. 
way. So we try to be really proactive and watch all of our clients' accounts to make sure that nobody forgets to do that, to take that money out. Don't forget to deduct deductible expenses. I know that sounds pretty obvious, but don't forget about stuff. We have this happen all the time where people just forget that they did something and it would have been deductible that they just forgot about it. We've had that happen a number of times here in Colorado over the years. People make a deductible 529 savings plan contribution. It's a college fund and they forget about that deduction. But if you make a deductible 529 contribution, remember that nobody's going to chase you down and remind you to make that deduction on your tax return. So that's deductible from a state standpoint here in Colorado. Just be aware that you need to put that down and be able to deduct that. Don't leave money on the table. Again, if you made a health savings account contribution this year, Make sure you put that on your taxes because that's deductible. If you made retirement contributions, things like traditional IRA contributions that were deductible, make sure you deduct it. If you donated stuff to Goodwill, we talked about that, or Habitat or something like that, make sure you don't forget about it. If you have tax credits, let's say that you put solar panels on your house so you could get some tax credit on your income tax return. Don't forget that you did that because you don't want to leave that on the table. I know we're kind of being repetitive here, but it's important to just really think back about your year. Think about all the things that happened, all the things that you did with your house and your vehicles and you know your charitable organizations, things that you did at work. Think about all of that and just really brainstorm and add to that list. Really just be going through and making sure that you're not leaving things out. So don't take my word for it. And the reason why I say that is that this is just about surfacing some issues. So make sure you're consulting your tax advisor on all this stuff. And that's one question that comes up a lot from people is really, do I need a tax advisor or should I just keep doing what I've been doing? I've been using TurboTax for years. I don't personally. uh, I use a a CPA uh, because she's very good and she helps me out, not only understand all the rules like we talked about today, but making sure that I'm not leaving money on the table. So personally, I actually do use a CPA. I know a lot of people don't. They think that their situation is simple enough that they just use TurboTax. I'm not going to yell at you either way. That's kind of up to you as far as what you're comfortable with. But there is some advantage for sure in working with a tax advisor because they're really trained to stay up on this stuff and really ask a lot of questions that might actually benefit you. In a lot of cases, they do end up paying for themselves. We like to do that. We like to pay for ourselves here as financial planners. So if they're doing their job, they're probably going to actually bring up some ideas that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. So today was just really about bringing to the surface some things that you may not be aware of. Again, possibly things that you were aware of, but you just forgot about because we're all crazy busy and have a lot of distractions. So don't leave money on the table. I would never advocate cheating on your taxes, by the way. We're not talking about doing things that are illegal. No, we we never do that. That's way over the line. Consequences are too large for that to be worth it, and it's not the right thing. But there's a difference between that and having a solid understanding of the tax code and using the rules to you and your family's advantage. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, we've said it, what, 30 times right now? Don't leave money on the table simply because we want to make sure that we're using these rules to our advantage and also looking into the future and thinking about what the future might hold. Really doing that planning proactively so it's purposeful. It's not just by accident, which is how most people plan, by accident and just letting things happen. With that, if you are enjoying the Wiser Financial Advisor or finding some ideas that are helpful, please remember to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service. 
whether it's Apple or Spotify or Google, whichever one you use, it's there. So make sure you hit subscribe and also share episodes with your friends, your family, and your coworkers. It's definitely been fun to be able to speak to you every week and really have some ideas flying around out there that we can all be talking about. And it's also good from a standpoint that when we contribute, we actually get something back. It's kind of weird how that works, but when we contribute, we get something back. And so I really enjoy this and I enjoy being connected to all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week and God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.